podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente, and today and this week and every week we are brought to you by Sage Eats. Sage Eats is a Chicago-based healthy meal prep and fitness mentoring company. They deliver healthy organic meals that deliver directly to your home or office in the Chicagoland area. If you are not in Chicago, don't worry, they still have something for you. Sage Eats also offers online fitness mentoring where your personal fitness mentor will send you four weeks worth of workouts that are customized to your body type, your goals, and if something doesn't work for you, reach out to your mentor and you and your mentor will figure something out together. Uh, Sign up with Sage Eats today, put in uh, the uh, promo code FIGHTER and you will receive 20% off of an upcoming membership. With that being said, man, let's get into the Fight Podcast. Uh, Again, man, I'm Serge Vicente. Uh, I'm your host. And man, we have a great week uh, lined up for you. Um, If you guys get an opportunity, also, please check us out on www.thefightpodcast.com. You can interact with us there. Not only can you interact with us there at thefightpodcast.com, we have our shows there. You could also support the show. Uh, We we can buy merchandise and uh, also just see what we're doing. Um, And honestly, even better yet, you can even uh, interact with us. You can ask fan questions. And even today, um, we are going to have a little bit of fan questions uh, at the end of the show. So that's going to be really, really fun. Um, we have a great show lined up for you today. Um, we have an underdog that's going to get his well-deserved opportunity, um, as well as the best trash talk coming out of, of uh, the boxing world in fight news. Um, we will also break down the epic Fedor versus Frank Mir fight that happened in Bellator, Chicago, as well as recapping the entire card. Um, and um, we are going to uh, introduce you to, obviously, uh, as we do every week, our prospect alert. We have a great prospect alert for you in the world of kickboxing this time. He's actually the number one um, lightweight in the world uh, as Glory uh, World Series. So that's going to be really cool. So stay tuned for that. Uh, as well as this week's Fighter Focus, the new new stories that we have coming up. So, um, yeah, this is going to be a great show today. And uh, especially when it comes to the fan questions, man, it's kind of nuts when um getting to you know getting into fan interactions and stuff and and what i actually started um putting out the show and really getting on ig and in social media uh what ended up happening was i'm, I'm doing my fighter for uh, my prospect alerts i do prospect alerts because i generally you know want to tell stories about these fighters and just show love to the people that i really you know i'm a fan of so even though look man i understand this dude isn't an actual prospect i went ahead and put you know and somebody we're actually going to talk about a little later on the show today jamal charlo you know one of the 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 twins the twin charlos they're dynamic as it gets um in my opinion, both of those gentlemen are the best at their weight classes. Uh, Jamal Charlo is a middleweight. He is the he's the WBC interim champion. He's going to go ahead. Uh, he is the mandatory for Gennady Golovkin. And his twin brother, Jamal Char, Jamel Charlo, is also a champ at 154. And he's a highlight reel in itself. But what ended up happening was... I went ahead, I made uh, Jamal my prospect alert, and Buddy goes out there and starts trying to come at my head on IG. 
And it's it, it, so IG for those who don't know is Instagram. So I'm on there and he goes out there and just rips me. Says I don't know what I'm talking about. Yo. I don't even think I had three posts up at the time and my entire oh, none of the episodes even aired. So at the end of the day, at first I was shocked and I couldn't believe it. I'm like, yo, my favorite fighter is just coming at my head. But all I could do was start laughing because I was like, yo, this dude, buddy, obviously doesn't know that one. You know, I've been in the ring. I know what it feels like. But two, I think he just thought I was like a troll or something like that and really didn't know, you know, what was going on. Um, now, granted, have I fought pro or anything like that? Nah, I have not. Um, I actually uh, used to train for a long time. Um, I grew up training. Uh, I grew up fighting ever, ever since I was four years old. And um, I, I started off in, you know, taekwondo. Uh, I ended up transitioning, you know, into boxing and kickboxing. And to the point that I was actually ended up training with some, you know, top professionals here in Chicago and was on the verge of turning professional. Now, I don't like generally talking about this kind of stuff because I don't want to come off as a poser, you know, and uh, because I have too much respect for the athletes that are in there, like Charlo himself. And that's why I wanted to go ahead and give him, you know, this platform. I, I, I'm absolutely a fan of the sport, but not only am I a fan of the sport, I actually, you know, have been in there. I know what it's like to train with top level competition. So it's just a little different insight. So after a little bit of back and forth between, you know, myself, Charlo, and I'm not going to stunt. I had some of my, my, you know, I had my girl and my buddies kind of jump down dude's neck on there also. Uh, long story short, he actually follows the show now. He's a supporter of, you know, the Fight Podcast and myself. So salute to, to, the, to the champ, uh, Jamal Charlo. Uh, but yeah, man, that was just a fun story I wanted to go ahead and, you know, kind of tell you guys about. But again, jumping, in, jumping right into it. Uh, Fight news. Uh, there's been a lot of stuff, you know, and a lot of things, you know, this past week has been crazy. And, uh, you know, just to quote, you know, J. Cole's recently on Twitter, you know, the great rapper J. Cole, uh, this week has been traumatic. Um, <laughs> with, you know, Kanye West seemingly losing his mind. Uh, you know, we had the Cosby verdict, all kind of, you know, political nonsense. Um, the entire week has been bananas, and honestly, the combat sports world isn't any different. So, fight news. We're just going to go ahead and jump into it. Um, in the world of MMA, Nick Newell, and Nick Newell I spoke about not too long ago. Nick Newell uh, used to fight for the WSOF. The WSOF is now uh, the Pro Fighters League. Um, he has recently, well, he recently retired because he didn't feel as if he was getting the right opportunity. But for those of us who don't know Nick Newell, who is an incredible fighter, uh, Nick Newell has uh, fights at 155 pounds. So he fights for the lightweight division. But yeah, he's a congenital amputee born without the lower half of his left arm. So you think about that, you're like, wait, 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 this this dude is a MMA fighter having to try to block kicks and everything and only has one arm? Yes. And he's a beast too. Now granted, he did fight with the WSOF and he didn't have the top best competition out there but the competition that he did fight against he ran through and not only did he do that he actually fought against a championship against 
UFC, you know, top organization out there is contender, Justin Gaethje. He took Justin Gaethje to the, you know, the fourth round before he ended up getting finished. But for him to go out there and f- go against one of the top fighters in the world with, let's be honest, just one arm, yo, this should show you how much, you know, and how good this dude is. So recently, people have really been pushing for Nick to be part of, you know, the UFC because he says he belongs. And honestly, so does everybody else. I agree with that as well. I mean, I think he's an, he's, he's really a monster. So there's some good news in this. The UFC has the Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series. It's a series that they have every... They started last year. It started during the summer. And I really do enjoy it. It is where promising prospects, just like, you know, who's just... It looks like he's going to be up-and-coming star, Sean O'Manley and uh, Julian Marquez. Um, These are people who started off in the Contender Series, and they are... They are higher-level guys than, for instance, the people who have fought in the uh, UFC's you know long-running tv show the ultimate fighter in the contender series these are actually top flight individuals who can go in there and compete right away so nick newell actually just signed a contract and they reached a deal last week with the ufc to compete in this upcoming season of dana white's contender series um nick newell again he fights at lightweight division and he's 14 to 1 yo that's nothing to sneeze at especially at you know that level of competition um I'm excited for him. I I believe that in this contender series, I don't think there's anybody in that series who is going to be able to defeat him. And uh, with this should be a great platform for him. And I hope to see him by the end of this year, you know, look at like the November shows or, you know, even October, be able to see Nick in the UFC competing. So that's a great story, man. Big salute uh, to Nick Newell and uh, hope to see him do great things. Uh, in the UFC in the near future. Now, some fight news, especially when it comes to um, the women's 115-pound weight class. Joanna Janjacek, some people call her Joanna Champion. You know, she is the former um, UFC 155-pound, 115-pound uh, champion who, for all practical purposes, everyone thought she was not to be touched um she has recently lost her belt and she lost the rematch to the current uh ufc 115 pound champion uh rose namayunas but she has an opportunity she's jumping right back in the mix and she's gonna fight against tisha the tiny tornado torres don't let the name fool you Tisha Torres is a beast. Um, Tisha Torres is 10 and 2. Uh, she's on a little bit of a tear, even though she actually lost her last fight. It was a very close contest to the um, number one, the current 115-pound number one contender, Jessica Andraj. So if we're looking at it, Joanna and Jacek, the former champion who just fought for a belt, is about to go ahead and fight against Tisha Torres. Um, Truly, I believe that the winner of this fight will be next in line for a title shot. Because for all, what it seems as if um, Rose Namajunas is going to end up fighting Jessica Andrade next, and uh, it seems like this is probably going to end up being, you know, the Njechek versus Tisha Torres is going to be the number one contender fight. This fight should be great. Uh, Tisha Torres, for those who don't know, um, has a striking background. Um, she's very, very diligent in taekwondo. I believe she's taekwondo black belt, and uh, 
And Yoani and Jacek is a multiple-time, you know, 10-time uh, Muay Thai world champion. So the striking is great. Now, here's the difference. Um, yes, Tisha Torres is relatively well on the ground. She trains at American Top Team over in Coconut Creek, Florida, which is, you know, one of the the, the uh, MMA super camps. A lot of the big champions and everything have been there and fought there. And, uh, yo, you know what's crazy? And I just thought of this. Tisha Torres and Ioana Janjacek actually fight on the same team. They're teammates. So, this is great. I it's people always talk about, you know, um, teammates fighting each other and why won't teammates fight each other? Hey, when it comes down to these two actually going to go ahead and trying to fight for a championship, they've put their being teammates aside, and it seems as if now they're about to go at it. I cannot wait for this fight. Um, it is going to be coming up uh, in July. So when that fight comes up, I will talk a little bit more about it. All right, uh, moving on to the heavyweights. The heavyweights, uh, Junior Cigano, uh, Dos Santos. Uh, he is the former UFC champ. Um, if we remember, you know, a couple years back, he ended up, he, he was a star. And it seemed as if he was going to continue growing and truly developing his star. But he ended up coming, you know, coming into uh, and having to compete against Cain Velasquez. Um, Cain Velasquez is, is, is a scary dude. I mean, he... If it wasn't for um, his recent, you know, health issues, he'd probably be the best heavyweight of all time. And uh, Junior Dos Santos is in that same realm and speak, even though it seems like he might be a little long in the tooth now. You know, it seems like he might not be um, um, this at the same level. But uh, just uh, pretty much put together for uh, UFC Boise, um, he is going to fight Blackhoff Ivanagov. He, um, who is um, a Sambo fighter, uh, used to fight also for the WSOF, which is currently um, uh, the PFL. He's over here at the, with the UFC now. And um, this should be a really, really interesting uh, matchup. Uh, now, um, Blagov um, is a Bulgarian Sambo practitioner. He actually won the 2008 Combos, uh, the Combat Sambo World Championships in uh, St. Petersburg, Russia. And again, he was also the w, uh, WSOF uh, heavyweight champ. Should be a fun fight. Being that he's a Sambo guy, Junior Sagano actually um, has great takedown defense, but somebody who Sambo, I mean, might give him a little bit of trouble. Sambo is a great combination of wrestling, you know, jiu-jitsu, judo, and it's just the best combination and the best mix of the two. Um, it's the same thing that Khabib Nurmagomedov, who is the current UFC lightweight champion at 155 pounds, and uh, that's what he is uh, prevalent in. So this matchup is a very interesting matchup. I think it is a crossroads matchup for Junior Dos Santos, and and um, for uh, Ivanagov, uh, this is an opportunity for him to really make a name for himself here in the U.S. And um, it's an opportunity for him to, uh, again, just jump up in the ratings. Should be a great fight. Uh, I can't wait to uh, see what's going to happen next. Um, that heavyweight division is pretty bananas right now. I mean, you have... Uh, Derek Lewis, Derek the Black Beast Lewis, about to fight Francis Ngannou. Um, there, there's just all kind of you know stuff going on. So I mean, it's it's gonna be a really really good time. 
So uh, that fight should be fun. Now, Ariel Hawani. Now, staying in MMA, but uh, I'm just going to kind of shift a little bit. Um, Ariel Hawani, who is, in my opinion, one of the best, um, if not the best, um, MMA reporters um, around. Uh, He has a fantastic podcast um, and show um, with MMA fighting uh, called... Um, the MMA Hour comes out every Monday, and uh, and again he he's a reporter. So he went out there and recently uh, put out a post um, about the UFC's 125 pound women's champ champion, um, Nico Montano, and he he pretty much said that. The UFC is losing patience with Nico, and as you reported last week, the plan was for her to defend her 125-pound title against Valentina Shevchenko, and for those of us who don't know, Valentina um, is one of the most skilled fighters um, in all of the UFC. Uh, not only is she is she dynamic on the um, striking, she's again a, a multiple-time world Muay Thai champion. Um, she's also devastating on the ground, finishing some of the best, you know, jujitsu practitioners with submissions. Um, for the women's division, for my money, she is the best, the most well-rounded fighter out there. Aside from, you know, it's probably between her, Chris Cyborg, and Rose Namajunas. So obviously, all the champions are, are really, really well-rounded. Women's MMA right now is incredible, man. I sometimes I prefer watching those fights, you know, than it's than the guys' fights. I feel like the girls tend to go at it a little harder. I don't know, um, but it seems like Nico was not pleased with uh, Ariel Hawani's assessment um she goes in and just blasts him on her <laughs> on her IG uh calls uh, Ariel Hawani a huge waste of space um she pretty much slanders dude um just talks bad about him says he doesn't know what's going on and says that the reason she's not you know accepting the fight is because you know she was injured or whatever only thing i have to say to nico is this his job is to be a reporter he's not making this stuff up again he he's very he's on top of everything so if he heard that he heard it from either somebody in the ufc or he heard that from somebody in your camp. So at the end of the day, don't check him who's just doing his job. Check your team. Check whoever's making those leaks. And uh, and at the end of the day, if you're a champ, don't go out there and, you know, you should be willing to take all comers. So the fact that she's out there and what ends up happening, what it seems like is that people are worried that since she has to fight uh, Valentina, who is so high regarded, it's people are thinking that she might be ducking her. I can't stunt. I'm one of those people. I think she's trying to duck Valentina. Um, she won her title, not in my opinion, not truly based off of the same type of marriage. She, she won her title on The Ultimate Fighter, which is a TV show. And um, we all know the people who are on that show don't tend to be a lot of times aren't the best out there um, the UFC is trying to build that division I mean that's a brand new division so they made a show to try to get awareness to it but now she has to fight one of the best of the best She, if she wants to be considered one of the best and a real champion she needs to fight Valentina so focus on your fights man don't rip Ariel he didn't do anything but do his job alright um 
that that was interesting uh, to say the least. So, but we're gonna move a little bit on. We're gonna move not only to MMA news, we're gonna hit some boxing, boxing news, and yo, it's been pretty crazy in the world of boxing. Um, we all know uh, this weekend is uh, single de Mayo weekend. We were supposed to be gearing up, and I couldn't wait. Oh, it was gonna be the best. It was gonna be the rematch of uh, uh, Triple G Gennady Golovkin versus Canelo Alvarez. I've talked about it in the past couple weeks. We already know Canelo Alvarez got popped for um, clombuterol, which is a performance-enhancing drug, um, which he said that he went ahead and he got from eating tainted taco meat while he was in Mexico. I'm not making this up. That's exactly what he said. Now... Me personally, he failed both tests. He he failed the, the the sample A and the sample B test came back higher. Golden Boy Promotions, who is, you know, run by Oscar De La Hoya, Canelo Alvarez is their biggest fighter under their promotional banner. They went ahead and did a, and I'm throwing up these air quotes, a test, a hair follicle test for Canelo Alvarez and said the hair follicle test came back clean. So in no way, shape or form, did he go out there and take performance enhancing drugs? Yo, golden boy. I'm sorry, Canelo. Canelo, I I don't buy it. You, You went ahead. You failed to not only, I mean, generally speaking, if somebody did not actually do something, those tests come back, one of the, the A sample or the B sample would end up coming back negative. The A sample came back well one way, the B sample came back 10 times higher. Their excuses aren't really lining up. So for me, this doesn't really make a difference. I still look at Canelo at this point in time as a very talented fighter. But there needs to be an asterisk in his record from here on out. It is what it is. You got popped for taking, you know, for for taking something, and at the end of the day, you know, you 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 have not given a good enough excuse for uh, for anybody to believe. So we'll see what ends up happening. Um, he did receive a six month suspension, and uh, hopefully that'll be in time to have him fight against uh, Gennady Golovkin in in September. Um, Staying with boxing, I cannot wait. I love the heavyweights. The heavyweight division in boxing right now is, man, it might be better than it's ever been. You have, you know, the American champ, the bronze bomber, Deontay Wilder. You have the English gentleman, um, Anthony Joshua. Uh, you have the wild card, Tyson Fury, along with a litany of other guys. Um, you know, Luis Ortiz, um, uh, Dylan White, uh, Shannon Briggs. There's a whole lot of guys out there that are, you know, fantastic. But recently, Anthony Joshua, because Deontay Wilder, the uh, the heavyweight champion here, he's the WBO champ, um, has been calling out for the better part of two years. He's been calling out Anthony Joshua. He says, Anthony Joshua, you know, I want to fight. You know, he, he wants to, you know, uh, unify the titles. And from what it sounds like, Anthony uh, Deontay Wilder has said he wants this for his legacy. Now, Deontay Wilder is 40 wins, zero losses, 39 knockouts. 
He's going to go ahead and, and uh, the one person he didn't knock out, they had a rematch, and he starched uh, Stavern in the first round with one of the most incredible knockouts of 2017. Um, Anthony Joshua, the British champion, is 21-0, 20 KOs. He's a solid, solid, solid champion. Might be the most technical, uh, possibly uh, not as technical as Luis Ortiz, but he's a powerhouse. He's 6'4". He's 250 pounds shredded. And um, these guys have been, you know, these are the two best of the best fight by heavyweight champions out there today. Deontay's been calling out Anthony Joshua for a while. And Anthony Joshua said the only way they're going to fight is if Deontay Wilder comes up with $50 million. He said, we can talk if you bring up $50 million. And this was Deontay Wilder. Deontay Wilder had a, uh, a response to that. Um, he went on, uh, on social media, and uh, not only did he go on social media, he went out there and, uh, and called Buddy out. He, he, he pretty much said, and I'm going to pull up the sound, the, the sound bite for you guys in a second, um, but he pretty much was like, yo, man, you know, the money's in the bag. He's like, uh, let, let's fight. And it sounds like he sent him, you know, Fifty million dollars. So now it's the the, uh, the the now pretty much the uh, the ball is in Anthony Joshua's court, and uh, I'm just gonna let you guys listen to what um, Deontay Wilder said to Anthony Joshua. Bro, there's been a lot of misinterpretation, so I want a bit of better communication for this situation. Now, I offer you fifty million. It's in the bag, and you replied. Let's do it. So for public record, for a better understanding, so we understand what you were saying. I got to go back to elementary with this. Anthony Joshua, do you accept my offer? Yes or no? That's all I need to know. Yo, he went out there and pretty much hit Anthony Joshua with like the check boxes. Do you want to go out? Yes, no, or maybe. Uh, <laughs> yo, if that fight happens, it's going to be epic. Um, and I would love to. I can't wait to be able to break that fight down. Um, if Anthony Joshua does not accept this, it's starting to come off. And I'm not saying that Anthony Joshua is afraid of anything because he's not. He He's a champion and I appreciate him. Um, but... His promoter is not aligning this fight. If his promoter does not allow these guys to pretty much go at it, it's going to end up looking bad on this fighter. So this fight honestly needs to happen sooner or later. Um, Because if it does not, hey, man, we don't know what's going to happen. So um, let's see how that that story ends up playing out. Um, I want you guys to get a chance again. If you haven't already, you know, check out uh, www.thefightpodcast.com. Um, again, I'm your host, Serge Vicente. Uh, go on our website, man. Check it out. Not only check out our website, check out our social media page. Uh, we have a whole bunch of really, really dope stuff for you guys out there. We have some merchandise. Uh, you get to know a little bit about the show. We have all of our links on there um, for uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Um, you can ask us uh, fan questions. You can ask myself fan questions. 
questions um, through the, the Twitter account. You could also ask it directly on the website itself. Uh, we have some fan questions that I'm going to go ahead and get to at the end of the show. So stay tuned for that. Um, and also, again, we have a whole bunch of stuff. Remember, I still am going to go ahead and break down the past uh, UFC, or I'm sorry, the past Bellator fight. And uh, I'm also going to go ahead and break, uh, we're going to introduce our prospect alert and our fighter focus. So stay tuned so you can get see what's coming up uh, really, really soon. Next up, we have our prospect alert. Prospect alert is where we show love to up and coming prospects who have the skills and the talent, but might not be a household name just yet. So this week, we're going to take the time out and highlight out of Thailand, Sitachai Sitsong Pinong. Record 119 wins, 30 losses, and 32 big knockouts. And now back to your host, Sergio Vicente, to tell us more about this fighter. All right. Um, yeah, man. Our prospect alert. Uh, our, this week, Sitichai Sipson Pinong, um, who is the Glory Kickboxing. Glory Kickboxing is uh, America's largest kickboxing organization. Um, he is the number. He is their champion at lightweight, 155 pounds. Not only he's the champion there, he is currently in the world rankings ranked as the number one lightweight in the world. Now, I know you guys are looking like Surge. This is a prospect alert. And Sitichai's record is 119 and 30 with 32 KOs. How is he a prospect? Well, he's a prospect at the end of the day because we don't know. We don't know enough about him. We really don't watch a lot of kickboxing here in the States. So um, this is somebody that if you enjoy stand-up, if you enjoy, you know, like stand-up fighting, you know, boxing, kicking, all that good stuff. Sitichai is somebody you need to pay attention to. Um, he's a southpaw, moves extremely well. One thing that I love about him is that he actually uses a straight left hand better than a lot of people I know. He paws with the left hand a little bit, but he drops really, really nice to the body, straight left hands. He, you know, brings it back upstairs. He changes direction. And then he lands some of the most devastating body and leg kicks that I have ever seen. Um, he's very explosive. He, um, he's beaten some of the best guys in the world with knees to the body. Um, the Thai style, and again, he is from Thailand, is very deceptive. They, they'll lull you into their game with the leg kicks and um, and they don't technically use their hands the same way as, you know, traditional boxers or Dutch kickboxers do. Sitichai does. Sitichai has hands. He has great counters and uh, he'll put you out with his hands as well. So... Please, 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 if you guys get an opportunity, you need to go out and check out Sitichai Sipsom Pinong, and he fights for Glory Kickboxing. Um, you could actually catch Glory Kickboxing, and I know I watch a lot of their events on UFC Fight Pass, and if you go on Fight Pass, you'll be able to see, you know, all of his, uh, all of his fights. Keep that up, man. Um, you know, he, he and not only sips on Pinong, everybody in Glory's 155-pound uh, class is incredible to watch. Please watch them if you get an opportunity. All right, moving on. Uh, Bellator, 
198. And again, we're going to talk about a little bit of kickboxing. Or not kickboxing, I'm sorry. We're going to talk about MMA. We're just going to kind of follow up on last week's card. Um, last week, Bellator um, 198 was in my hometown. It was right here in Chicago, Illinois. Um, the atmosphere was incredible. Um, people, you can tell, really understood um the the moment uh having two of the greatest heavyweight fighters in mma history at all time in the building at the same time and in the ring at the same time was oh man it it was one it was something that fans and onlookers have talked about and looked at honestly man for the past decade um fedor milinenko um for those of us who don't know fedor is highly regarded as the greatest heavyweight champion of all time he has he he's a smaller heavyweight but he made a lot of his noise when he was in uh pride pride um was the largest organization in Japan, um, there were pretty much rivals of the UFC, which is the largest organization here in the States, um, until the UFC in um, the early two, or the late 2000s, or 2011, actually it is, um, pretty, or I'm sorry, 2008, they ended up buying uh, Pride. So all the, the fighters in Pride um, ended up dissolving into uh, the UFC, um, unless they got rid of them, or those fighters were big enough names that they ended up doing their own thing. And that's pretty much what Fedor ended up doing uh fedor is um the definition of a russian fighter doesn't speak much stone cold face and when it's time to go to work he gets busy um so the same time that fedor was in pride getting busy Frank Mir was here in uh, in uh, Frank Mir, who is a UFC legend, um, one of the greatest heavyweights again here of all time, and one of the best grappling um, heavyweights of all time. He's 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 broke broken arms. I mean, he went ahead and defeated Tim Sylvia, who at the time was heavyweight champion. He ended up breaking his forearm with an armbar. He ended up. Um, breaking uh minotaro noguera's uh shoulder with a shoulder lock this dude if he gets a hold of anything he's gonna go ahead and try to snap that and uh so it's pretty much snapper tap with him um but not only that he has those paws also and he ends up knocking a couple dudes out man he knocks dudes dead he goes out there for instance um in uh one of his last fights he ended up fighting todd duffy who was a big up-and-coming prospect very powerful guy very athletic um and it seemed as if Frank Mir at the time was pretty much, uh, you know, on his way out. Nah, not so much. He went out there, ended up knocking out Todd Duffy, and uh, went on a little bit of a run. Now, past couple years, he has actually not fought for two years because him, like Canelo and like a couple other people, got caught eating something that he wasn't supposed to. He, on the other hand, his excuse was he was in in um, Australia for a fight against Mark Hunt, who um, he actually ended up losing to via knockout he went out there and he tested positive for um a steroid and he said it was tainted kangaroo burger that he had while he was out there um i don't know what they juice those kangaroos up with um but whatever it is you know sign me up for two of them um because <laughs> because that dude was jacked um uh, but unfortunately he ended up getting suspended for two years. So this honestly was his first fight back against the legend in Fedor Milinenko. The fight starts off 
and it's just chaos. They pretty much meet each other in the middle of the ring. They go out and just start slinging. Frank Mir drops Fedor with a big overhand right. Boom. He goes to jump him. Fedor pops right back up. He's doing a little bit of work against the cage. Out of nowhere, Fedor does a beautiful um, inside throw um, and gets um, um, Frank Mir to the ground. All of a sudden, kind of took a little steam out of Frank Mir's kind of momentum. Frank Mir goes out there again, tries to press forward and attack. Fedor, being the faster guy, ended up clipping him, catches Frank Mir off balance, um, ends up clipping him with a uh, an uppercut, kind of a, like a shovel uppercut. Clips him and uh, drops him. Frank Mir hits the ground. 48 seconds into the fight, this fight is over. Uh... Great to see, you know, Fedor get a W. This is actually only Fedor Milinenko's second win his entire career in the United States. Uh, his his former, the only other win he's had was a fight six years ago against Brett Rogers, and that was in Strike Force. Um, so people have always wondered, you know, hey, is it that, you know, he doesn't have those same type of kangaroo meats or whatever, you know, here in the States and he doesn't perform as well? Um, or is he just, you know, aging out? Who knows, but he ended up winning this fight. Now he moves forward to fight Chael Sonnen, um, the American gangster himself. He goes to fight Chael Sonnen in the um, in the Bellator Heavyweight Tournament, which I cannot wait to see. Um, how did I feel about this fight? Honestly, it was sloppy. It was so sloppy. I was watching it. It really did look like two dads, you know, out there past their prime, out there trying to scrap with people. It, it, um, after the fight, man, the first thing I said, I was like, yo, both of these dudes need to retire. Um, they both didn't look in the greatest shape in the world. Um, even though they put on a very entertaining fight and shoot, I could watch those dudes fight all day, but I'm talking about longevity for the both of them. They're not going to be able to compete with the upper echelon guys if they one aren't physically in shape and two they're not really adapting their game the game is moving past these gentlemen and with you have these these heavyweights like the steepy miocic like Cain velasquez like even a Derek lewis those guys just have more in their toolbox that they can go ahead and use so good luck to fader moving on in the in the, the, remainder, uh, the remainder of the tournament but Mm, I think Chael Sonnen's probably going to go ahead and get him. All right, so um, the other big fight on that card was Conor McGregor's protege, Dylan Dennis. He's a 24-year-old, uh, nine-time IBJJF top, which is the top uh, Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu organization champion, and he's also the 2016 uh, Pan Am World Nogi champion as well. So... He, he's one of the baddest dudes ever on the ground. Um, and this was his MMA debut, so he's 0-0. Zero zero. He's going to go ahead and fight um, this uh, 31-year-old named Kyle Walker, who, hey, you know what, Kyle, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you, was very game. Um, the beginning of this match, uh, Dennis took the center of the ring. And, you know, it was funny, man. He actually looked a lot like Connor at first. <laughs> uh, immediately, he shoots him for a takedown. Walker easily avoided uh, Walker ended up throwing a huge left hook that clipped Dennis right in the right temple. And you know what, man? It absolutely rocked him. 
Uh, Dennis tried to establish center of the cage again, and again, he gets clipped by a huge left hook. Um, already, this shows me that Dylan Dennis, as great as he is as grappling, his stand-up needs work. And uh, if he doesn't go out there and actually continue developing his, his stand-up, which, look, he's 24 years old. This is his first fight. I'm certain he will. And he's fighting with a good team. Uh, those guys at SBG in Ireland, you know, are, are, are incredible. So, you know, he will continue developing. But the fight's moving on, and Dillis Dance goes ahead and pulls guard right away. And as soon as he hit that fight, hits the ground, man, you, you almost felt it being over. Um, as Walker attempted to escape, he immediately transitioned into one of the uh, Dennis, uh, transitioned to one of the best toll holes I've ever seen. Um, it was great. You know, he ended up finishing him uh, quickly, tapped him out. Uh, right in the first round, um, and again, yo, this was great, great, great to watch, now, <laughs> Dylan Dennis, uh, afterwards, went out there and started talking spicy on the mic, and, uh, said he was giving away a free BJJ seminar, and, uh, and he, and he was like, you know, he's the only one selling this show, and all this other stuff, and look, you, you did a good job. I'm not going to lie. And, and, and a lot of people did want to go ahead and actually see Dylan Dennis. But for him to call out the likes of Ben Askren um, and, and those top individuals, I do not believe his game is ready yet. Um, I hope Bellator brings him along slowly. And... Um, because if they do not bring him around slowly, uh, I'm be honest with you, uh, he's going to be one of those guys that just kind of disappears within about a year or two. So uh, we'll end up seeing how that ends up going. I uh, can't wait to see his development, though. All right, next fight. Uh, was a really, really cool fight. It was uh, with Neiman Gracie, who is a nephew of BJJ and MMA legend Henzo Gracie, who is 7-0 uh, with six of his seven wins coming by submission. He was going to go ahead and fight Javier Torres. Uh, this was a fight at uh, 170 pounds as a welterweight uh, matchup. Yo, this was another entertaining fight. Um, Neiman Gracie, um, you can tell he's not as proficient still in his stand-up, but he is not afraid to sling. So they went out there, and I'm be honest with you, the first round, I actually had Torres winning the first round, you know, a little bit. He was out there, he was dictating the pace of it. He had some really, really nice um, inside leg kicks, really, really nice straight right hands that seemed like he was staying Neiman Gracie. But, and this is gonna kind of end up being the theme of this past weekend's card, the, the car, the fight got to the ground, and as soon as he gets to the ground, there is a little bit of back and forth, um, but Neiman Gracie goes out there and ends up getting the finish in one of the, the, the most incredible arm triangles that I've ever seen. Um, arm triangles, and for instance, like for me, that is my favorite submission arm triangle is um, when Essentially, you end up getting a mount on your opponent. So you end up getting, you know, your your hips are directly over their hips. Um, and you are able to, um, again, pretty much triangle your arms around that opponent's neck on top. You end up shifting your hips to the side and uh, applying an incredible amount of pressure with the side of your head and uh, in your shoulder against your opponent's neck. So... Um, he ended up doing this, and honestly, it was one of the, the most devastating arm triangles I've ever seen, just because of the leverage that um, Neiman Gracie had. He was able to, because he ended up getting on to Javier um, Torres's left side, 
as soon as he got into his mount and he he was able to get into side control in the right position, he shot his knee directly under Torres' his, um, his, uh, his armpit. So Torres was not able to get close enough to alleviate the pressure on his neck. So, as soon as he that locked in, as soon as he shot that knee up, he was able to choke him out really quick. Again, um, for those of us who have not done BJJ and you know, you, and, or you do, that arm triangle is, uh, is devastating. It's such a hard squeeze, and it's nearly impossible to get out if the guy has it locked in. So, salute to Neiman Gracie. Um, you know, the Gracie legacy continues to live on. Uh, it was a great fight, though. Um, it was really fun to watch. Last one I want to bring up. Actually, to really quick, um, Rafael Lovato uh, Jr. Uh, this fight was at 185. He ended up fighting. Um, he ended up also getting an incredible submission. Really, really quick. Went out there and subbed him. And then the fight of the night was Emmanuel Sanchez versus Sam Cecilia. Um, Sam Cecilia, former UFC vet. Emmanuel Sanchez out of Milwaukee. Fights with uh, Team Rufus. Um very very interesting very great back and forth and back and forth fight um but out of nowhere while they're going into it out of nowhere emmanuel sanchez gets sam cecilia in a standing arm triangle so the exact same position i just talked about neiman gracie getting on the ground emmanuel sanchez did standing up put this dude to sleep Standing up, they came down, they called the fight. Great matchup, um, great card. Uh, Bellator, incredible event. Um, it did feel like a jiu-jitsu seminar at some points in time, and it shows that jiu-jitsu is still very, very prevalent here uh, in you know MMA. Um, but uh, it was great, man. The crowd, incredible. Um, everything else, you know, the, it was just a buzz in there. It was a feeling. You you could barely hear, the, hear you know, the corners. You can barely hear the announcers going on. It, it was just so, so live in there. So, uh, Bellator, please continue coming up with beautiful events like that, and please come into my, keep coming to my city. Keep coming to Chicago. I love it. Alright, so, um, we're gonna go ahead and you know take a you know little little bit of a little time out to let you guys uh, you know hear the next story that's about to come up. Whew. Almost done, baby. Hey everybody! So our fighter focus is where here on the Fight Podcast, Sergio focuses on a fighter who is more than just a gladiator, but someone who carries themselves like a champion in and out of the ring. So the Fight Podcast's fighter focus for Week 12 is none other than UFC welterweight champion Tyron Woodley. Here's your host Sergio for more on this week's fighter. All right, this week's fighter focus is none other than, again, like, you know, are we saying, uh, Tyron Woodley, Tyron the Chosen One Woodley with a record of 23-1. Now, check it out, man. I want to bring up Tyron Woodley because on the show as an athlete, even though he is the current 170-pound uh, welterweight UFC champion of the world right now, and, you know, he's had some epic Epic matchups with Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, Kevin Gastelum, and you know, and, and and a couple other guys. But um, I've been critical of him in terms of his aggression as a fighter and how he talks about you know the fights and certain things um, when he's not currently competing. 
But that does not stop me from wanting to give him love and a shout out as a person. So Tyron Woodley, um, who is actually from uh, Ferguson, Missouri, um, for, you know, if we don't remember, in 2014, um, you know, there was, uh, again, a bunch of events that ended up happening, you know, the Michael Brown situation and, uh, you know, um, happened while in Ferguson, you know, a, 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 a police officer ended up uh, killing an unarmed man, you know, and Michael Brown. And uh, Tyron Woodley, since that point in time, um, has been very, very active in uh, in the community. So one thing that he does and he continues to do is that he, he's been... Um, very forward and you know speaking up a lot um against you know police brutality and um and human rights uh, along with you know specific organizations and giving people love like the know your rights camp and uh that um that um Colin Kaepernick is a, is a part of or is, is the head of um but not only is Tyron Woodley doing that he's spending his time um working with um you know, working with kids, man. Um, he, one thing he said, he was like, Ferguson is a very small city. There are patches in the city um, where you can find a lot of crime and violence. He said, but it's crazy to me that something would happen at the apartment in that particular. He was like, he lives, you know, in those areas. He's from there. So um, this is where Tyron believes he can do an impact. One thing Tyron Woodley said in an interview that he had with livingcivilcivil.com, he said that you have to talk to kids. You have to give them hope, inspire them, teach them a different way, a positive avenue. That's where I think I can make an impact. Grab the graduating high schoolers to try and change their mindsets because they are going to be the next ones up to lead our country. Um he also goes on to say, I'm just pointing out specific things that are happening, you know, not only in his sport, um, but in the community in general. So Tom Woodley currently is putting together um, different foundations and different funds, and he's putting his money where his mouth is. Um, he continues growing and he continues becoming a voice in the uh, in the community. So with that being said, I want to give a big salute to the chosen one, Tyron Woodley. Tyron, you are our fighter focus of this week. Please continue doing what you're doing for the community and, you know, inspiring others because that inspiration, um, especially with people who are from those areas that, you know, don't have that same type of income, don't, you know, not as many people are getting out to have somebody like Tyron Woodley to be able to come back, spend time with those kids, develop programs for those kids there is, you know, incredible. So again, salute to Tyron Woodley, you know, you're the man in this realm. I'm not going to talk about your fighting yet, man, but uh, he's he's currently, fight-wise, he's currently in, uh, had just had soldier surgery, so hopefully we'll see Tyron Willie back in the octagon before the end of this year. All right. Moving right along. Um, this upcoming week, uh, there are a couple different events. Uh, there's no MMA this week, so we're going to go ahead and focus on boxing. Um, this was supposed to be the fun weekend, man. This is supposed to be the week where Triple G and Canelo were going to fight in Vegas, single them out. It was going to be where we ended up seeing these guys pretty much, you know, the tiebreaker was going to be done. It didn't happen. So now, uh, Triple G is going to go ahead and, um, 
he has a, he still has a fight, but he's gonna fight Vans Marchesian. Um, Vans is a solid fighter. Um, but I am not going to pretend that Van is um, a world beater. He has, he's, he's he actually, this is his first fight on short notice that he's taken, and he's taken it after two years off. So what you're telling me is that you haven't fought in two years, and you're going to go on a short notice fight and fight arguably the greatest, you know, the, the best boxer, current boxer out there. Um, and then now, now, then I start looking at, going down the list, looking at his record a little bit. He's lost close fights to Gabriel Rosado. He's lost fights to Cornelius Bundridge and former champion Jermaine Taylor. He did beat um, Kasim Usman in 2010, but uh, I mean, at the end of the day, that was in 2010. I truly believe that Gennady Golovkin, who over the past couple fights has not showed his power as much he's he's been content to box on the outside um he he's he's he i think he's gonna go out here and finish uh Marchesian within the first six rounds i think he's gonna go out there establish his jab from the beginning um i think he's gonna move in and out um now i will say this if Gennady Golovkin continues to just want to stay on the outside and box he is going to come into a little bit of trouble because Vans is an incredible boxer. He can sit back there and box with him. So if he goes out there and boxes and Gennady Golovkin does not use his power like he has in for the past couple fights, it could end up going to a later decision or stoppage. I believe that Gennady Golovkin is going to go ahead and try to make a point. So I think this is going to be a very fun fight to watch because we're going to have an opportunity to go in there and see Gennady Golovkin hungry, going in there to prove a point and go out there and knock somebody out, man. So can't wait to see that fight this weekend. That should happen on May 5th again. Now, in my opinion, and that's at the uh, the um, the uh, their middleweights. So they fight. They're fighting at that fight is fighting at 160 pounds. The fight that I'm looking forward to this weekend is the grudge match between the the two Brits, David Haig and Tony Bello. Now. I'm a fan of both men. Um, Tony Bello uh, is a lot of us who remember him from the movie Creed. He uh, he ended up being essentially the bad guy in that one, the British dude that Michael B. Jordan, who knocked out Michael B. Jordan in that movie. Um, he's an incredible fighter, um, very 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 well rounded, and uh, he's going out there to fight. Um, who honestly at one point in time was known as one of the best, you know, boxers or whatever of all time, um, uh, David Haig. So, David Haig, if we're looking at his record, yo, his record is nothing to sneeze at. He's 28 and 3 um, with 28 KOs. Or I'm sorry, tw- yeah, 28 and 3 with 26 KOs. Now, here's the big thing, and this is kind of the same thing with Vance uh, in the last fight against Triple G. Um, he took a huge, huge time off. He didn't fight from any from 2012 to 2016. He, so he took those four years off. He came back 
fought pretty much two cans, knocked both of those guys out in like the first round. They knocked his other guy in the second round. And then he goes out there to fight Tony Bello. Tony Bello is 28 and two um, with one no contest. Now, Tony, Tony Bello, um, this fight is actually going to be a cruiserweight. Um, so when you're looking at it again, these guys are, you know, in they're like, um, you know, 200 pound guys. They're, they're not uh, in the heavyweight limit of 214 and up. They're, they're weighing in about 200 pounds. Last fight, uh, Tony Bello ended up KOing David Haig in the 11th round. 11 out of 12 rounds. It was a great fight, but um, Tony Bello is the younger man. He's more explosive, and uh, he ended up just being cleaner. Um, Great power, great combinations, great chin. Both men hurt each other at certain points of the fight, but when it boiled down to it, the better man ended up winning. So, this is going to be the rematch. I'm not going to lie to you, I see more of the same, but I see fireworks. I see this fight going, going, you know, really, really hard, um, but... I'm gonna go. I don't, I don't believe. I still do not believe this is going to decision. It's two men, way too much power. Both men have like 90% KO ratios. I see this fight being stopped. I see Tony Bello knocking out uh, David Haig in uh, in the eighth round. Should be great. And uh, and again, man, it, it's it's gonna be fun, but it's probably gonna end up being the most entertaining fight of the weekend. If you guys get a chance again, this is uh, Serge Vicente. I'm out here. This is the Fight Podcast. Um, guys, again, check us out www.fightpodcast.com. Um, please uh, download, subscribe, everything right on. Uh, we're on iTunes and we're as well also on SoundCloud. Hey, man, this uh, this has been a fun one today. This has been a really fun show. Um, the things I have to take away from it, I mean, Nick, I have a couple of takeaways from this episode and I really kind of just want to touch on before we get out of here. Nick Newell fighting in the UFC is a huge deal, okay? Um, being that this is somebody, he's an underdog, man. He's somebody with one arm and he, is, he, in my opinion, is one of the most inspirational stories that I've ever seen in MMA and in sports in general. This man is fighting with an absolute, you know, disadvantage. He only has one arm, and he's going out there and you and fighting the best of the best and winning. This is somebody we need to get behind. This is somebody that I would love. We we need to cheer for. Salute to Nick Newell. Um, I can't wait to see that. My second takeaway with Cinco de Mayo being the, one of the biggest boxing weekends ever, and it's every year it's always big. Unfortunately, the Canelo fight went off, but the the fight in L.A is not, you know, with Triple G is not going to be the most exciting fight. The fight across the pond in London is what we need to pay attention to. That Tony Bello fight with David Haig should be fireworks. I cannot wait. And uh, you know what, man? Tony Bello is somebody who could absolutely go from cruiserweight to heavyweight and then be in that exact same mix, you know, after this win and fight guys like the Deontay Wilders, fight guys like the Dylan Whites. And then more importantly, I would love to see Tony Bello eventually fight somebody like Luis Ortiz. So it should be fun. That's going to be the fight of the weekend to watch. 
Uh, and my last takeaway for this episode is, yo, Frank Mir, Fedor, both of y'all need to call it quits. Quits of El Sun go home. It's, uh, they both look sloppy. It was an entertaining fight, yes, but it's entertaining like watching, you know, bumper cars or watching, you know, uh, two trains run into each other. It was entertaining because it's like, ugh, I don't really want to see it, but what's going to happen? Um, if you do not want to put in the time to properly strength train, if you do not want to, you know, take, if you have one foot in, one foot out, which for instance, Frank Mir does, he's out there, you know, he has a fantastic podcast. Um, he also goes out there and he is, um, you know, he, he does commentary for a Russian organization. Um, yo, this is, you know, you have other things. He's one of the most knowledgeable individuals of the sport. I think it's time for him to call it quits. I don't think he has anything left to prove and neither does Fedor. I think both those guys need to go get out of here. So, um, yo, it's another episode of the fight podcast. Please, please, please download, subscribe, like, and, um, and again, just let me know, you know, what everyone, you know, what you guys think of the episodes. Uh, we actually, as I said, in this episode, we will end up, um, doing as fan questions, our following episode. So please, uh, continue asking questions. We want to get a couple more of those in here and, um, you can go ahead and go on our website, www.thefightpodcast.com and, uh, comment directly on, you know, uh, shoot us links on there, or you can go on to our Instagram page and, um, and uh, direct message me at at the fight podcast on IG, and um, yeah, man, interact with me. Let me know what you think. Talk to me about this upcoming. You know what what you think about the fights, and uh, I'll answer whatever questions you guys have. Um, yo, thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. This is your host of the fight podcast, Serge Vicente. You guys stay breezy. 